Hello and welcome to the Potters Podcast. I'm Ian. We're going to go through another interview this week. Um, his name is John Hobbo or something like that on Facebook. And he's going to tell us his story, who his favourite player is, who his worst players are. And like I said before, if you want to come on and you want to get yourself interviewed, it's easy. Uh, we're on Facebook, it's the Potters Podcast. We're on Instagram on the Potters Podcast, Twitter on the Potters Podcast. If you would like to come on yourself and be interviewed and tell your story of Stoke and your favourite and worst players and everything else to do with Stoke, you're more than welcome. Just contact us on any of those platforms, a messenger or anything like that, like you're begging or anything. All you have to do is email me. It's uh, Ian from Scholar Green at msn.com and we'll get back to you and we'll try to fit a slot in where you can get interviewed too so like I say sit back and enjoy and let's hear another Stoke fan story so hello Hoppo how are you doing in these times of crisis I'm very well mate uh, bearing up like everybody else trying to do me bit so yeah um, alright mate getting there ready for the pubs opening and everything now and the football will be back on but yeah bearing up mate it's uh, it's not too bad at all getting through it aren't we well that's it the thing we're getting through yeah I mean Boris came back last night didn't he had a, a lot to say about Stoke as well nice seeing yes mate I've, just, I've been watching it this morning you know um, because to be honest I was watching the daily updates but um, it was one of them mate it's the same thing really so I stopped watching him and I saw on uh, social media this morning obviously it was the guy from the Sentinel um, and like praising up Stoke on Trent and people Stoke on Trent and um, it's fantastic to hear really and, and as we know I mean we're biased we're from the area and Stoke gets a lot of bad uh, press but you know the people around here are you know are amongst the best anywhere you can get they pull together yeah the city's got its problems but you, you can't get more more of a friendlier place and this is why I think when people from out the area come to Stoke-on-Trent you know they tend to stay because um, it, it's the people you can't beat the people uh, they're genuine they're only still tell you what you think and like say it's nice to get a bit of a good publicity really so um, yeah it's, it's good that was lovely to hear that was really nice to hear yeah it was it was nice to hear because we are, like I say we are we are a good folk we are we are good people and uh, we do get yeah. bad press because the area is a bit rough at times but yeah. I think sometimes we we aren't and like Denise Coates and the Coates family have done fantastic things with him um, over the times of Corona that's it mate you know and it's like you say yeah, we've got our problems but that is the you know the, the fault of the people it's the it's the fault of neglect and the fault of you know um, money the industry being lost and nothing being replaced so you know the, the principles of the people are still the same people it's just the um, we've been in the forgotten place really and um, neglected to be honest but the people are still there the people are still salt the earth so it's great to hear to be honest mate really is we needed that to be honest yeah you're right, right. that's what we start up now so you've okay, been a Stoke fan for a long time so tell me how it began where did it all start being a Stoke fan um, yeah mate I've been Stoke fan all my life really but I started, I started off at four because um, the family really all, we all originated from the, the West Midlands my me, mum's side of the family from Birmingham my dad's side were all from Warsaw um, we moved up to the area when uh, I was about four um, 1972 we just my dad moved up for, for work and, and the like um, and I can remember distinctly um my mum and I can remember it, the old house I mean it was only four but I remember moving up in the van up to Stoke-on-Trent to Blythe Bridge and um, 
it was just at the time when we Stoke had just won the the, uh, the League Cup seventy two, and I remember my dad saying, "Come, oh, you know, tell us about this football team." And I, I wasn't really into football then. And let's go and see him bring the cup home. And I, I can remember going to meet Heath. I'm sure it was me Heath. And there was all these people there, these flags, and, you know, and scarves and and what have you. And it was just absolutely brilliant. You were you were just uh, mesmerised. You remember him coming through on the bus holding the cup up. And it was just absolutely mesmerising. I was like, well, what's happened, Dad? You know, and he's like, well, I'll take you to a game now, you know. Um, and, and that's how it, how it came about. So it was 72. It was probably the, one of the best times to move up to the area, to become a Stoke fan, uh, to have the third, I'd like, never been interested in football before and seen that team and, and what have you. That was probably um, a fantastic time. So, yeah, that, that was how I came about to support the club. Um, and my dad, to be honest, my dad was a bit of a Walsall fan before, if I remember right. But I spoke to him. Um, he was he used to go to watch Walsall, so he immediately, being in Stoke, switched his allegiance to Stoke, took took us a game, and and that was it. Just fell in love with the club um, ever since. You know, we've been Stoke fan through and through, and now got my children as Stoke fans, and my granddaughter is now a a season ticket holder she'll get a first season ticket for next season so yeah it's very much in the family very much in the blood now so yeah that's how it all became for me really so when you first started to go who was the player that kind of inspired you when you were a young lad let's go what I can remember the first player I ever ever really really liked I mean like I say bearing in mind we had that great great team but the player that stood out um, was John Mahoney for me he was my first ever hero um, and I don't know why I think possibly a few factors um, that he's my favourite number number four and all that kind of thing he was a he was a good player as well I kind of remember it a couple of times in you know, the crowd singing his name he had a couple of decent games um, you know and and the fans talked to him he was a fan's favourite even though he got the greats of the, you know, a real good team now. I mean, like I said, we were, we, we won the cup, you know, we, we're not far off missed out, I think, on, on winning the league and that kind of thing, the semi-finals. And like, when you look, we have Banksy and people like that are in the team and and even the likes, I think, that Jeff Hurst came towards the end of his career and Hudson that. But I don't know why, um, he's just somebody I talk to straight away. Um, because I think when you're young, you're not, you're not aware of the game and the tactics and 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 the play and the, the you know the systems and that kind of thing you just kind of get your eyes fixed on somebody and for me it was John Mahoney um, I remember being devastated when I when he left I think he went up to Middlesbrough I remember him going to Swansea but I'm sure he went I've been told he uh, went up to Middlesbrough so I remember it quite well he was he's my first team right for Stoke well, I mean, thinking back to that side, I mean, especially like the seventies, Stoke weren't just a good side. Like when they got in the Premier League recently, they were they were one of the best teams in England. I mean, especially especially seventy yeah. five, they nearly won the title. You know, yeah, a fantastic yeah, it, team. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting how you say Mahoney was like the original hero when you know they had yeah. Jimmy Green off in the peak, they had Alan Hudson yeah. in his peak. Yeah, like you say, Jeff Hayes towards the end of his career was in the Stoke squad as well, and. Of course, yeah. you had Shilton and Goal, I think, at that time as well. And you know, it was a, yeah, it, it was it's a, it was a great side, really. I mean, what was the feelings feelings to be a Stoke fan when they were one of the best teams in England and were going for actual titles? Yeah, I mean, it was it was 
Yeah, I mean, like I say, that I was four, so I was growing up at that young age, so I kind of, in some respects, I suppose I didn't appreciate it. It was just a club I started to support. They were a local team. My friends in the area supported them as well. So I think um, you don't sort of appreciate it as much when you're younger. Um, but we knew we got a good side and, you know, we were. it was exciting to watch. The, the, I'll never, ever, ever forget the atmosphere going into the games, you know, the place was alive, um, really alive. I used to walk to the ground with my old man and you could literally hear singing outside the ground, you know, when you were a distance away, you could hear that, that noise and there was that, that excitement, you know, you pay your money, you go through the turnstiles, the old click of the turnstiles, you go in and be thousands of people, you know, and, and there's a singing inside, the noise just inside the concourse was put the airs on the back of your neck and then you always used to walk up the big steps into the booth and end, look out the pitch it's full of people uh, and it's almost as if you could touch the atmosphere um, so like I say that, that team at that time I probably didn't because I was only so young I didn't appreciate um, what a good side they were even though I knew we got a good side and and my dad said, like, you know, he plays for England and that, but he, he didn't kind of get it because I was too young to appreciate it. But I can distinctly remember the, the buzz about the place. Exciting games. You came away, you know, um, just absolutely, you know, you scrape yourself off the ceiling when they won. It was just, they were a brilliant side to watch. Exciting um, and everything. So, yeah, answer your question, mate. Can't really, you know, you didn't. For me, being young, the older generation would have appreciated uh, what a great side they were. Maybe it's more about um, the old excitement of the day. They were my team, and they were a good team, and I was, you know, proud to support them. So, but yeah, they were phenomenal, phenomenal team. We were very lucky, to be honest. Very, very lucky. Well, I mean, you said you were from the from the Midlands originally. What yeah. that's Midlands, your family was. I yeah. mean, so obviously there's going to be some there that aren't Stoke fans, isn't there? How does that oh, go along? Mate, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> when we moved up. The, my my uh, dad's side, my mum's side of the family weren't so really bothered about into football, but my uh, dad's side were all fanatical Aston Villa supporters, season ticket holders all the life. A bit like the equivalent of us from Stoke absolute fanatics so at that time when my dad then um, I mean he was a bit of a black sheep of the family anyway supporting Morsel not not really watching the villa um, he when we you know we became Stoke fans um, when we played the villa it was it was a massive massive occasion it was the first fixture that we used to look at uh, but when we got villa when we got villa uh, I've got one this day and we usually used to play them if memory serves me right around Boxing Day for some reason around Boxing Day generally at Villa Park so it was Christmas anyway you go see the family but there was always a massive massive party I mean people who they're like your great great aunties and that who didn't go to the game um, they always used to come so we mean we go to travel down uh, go, to the, go to the family house there was this pre-match build up and it was the tension you were praying please don't let us lose don't let us lose lose you know because you knew you were just going to get absolutely hammered uh, all day and all night and there you go the game and we used to to be fair the Villa fans were always great with us I used to go and proud with my Stoke hat on sit amongst the Villa fans um, and you know never ever batted an eyelid they were absolutely brilliant with us they were but it was the one game more for me than 
and any game I never ever wanted to lose to the Villa because if we lost all night when you used to go back the house after you know I remember my uncle he was a nightmare he's still as bad now bragging and craving if they beat us and all night you'd have it but if you beat him oh my gosh it was just like the best feeling in the world you'd have to big grin on your face and they'd all be down in the dumps so yeah Aston Villa was, was an absolutely massive massive game for me it was the biggest game ever so growing up then um, in that era with that team and then you know playing the Villa because they, they've had some good teams themselves to be fair it was uh, it was a special occasion it was special days uh, they really really were so fond memories uh, not fond memories when we used to lose but fond memories when we used to win and we had the bragging rights it was brilliant absolutely you know really really good well, it's, it must have been good because I mean, like when you were your early years, when it's like the early 70s, mid 70s, Stout were the better side, weren't they, back then? Oh, but I bet yeah, must have, I bet, it must have been really hard swallow towards the 80s when they, you know, were winning yeah. winning top flight titles and, of course, the European Cup. I mean, how, how did that go down? How did you feel then? It was, well, to be honest, I think at that time then, because Villa, that Ron Saunders team that Villa had done, um, they were, pretty, they were pretty good, you know, he built them up and he signed like the likes of Gary Shaw and, and Brian Little and that. I mean, Brian Little became our manager later on. Um, you know, they did have a fantastic team and they were a phenomenal team to watch, to be fair. That time then when they, they were right, top of the league, you know, um, cup finals, European Cup, they were, I suppose in a way for them, Stoke became a little bit insignificant as much as it was before because we were beating them and it was the big game, the big family occasion. But like my grand, my granddad, we used to sit and talk and he'd be telling us when they went away games to Germany or wherever, when Villa were having that great team. Um, so yeah, watch. I mean, it kind of it was a bit sweet. It was nice to see them happy when they won, when they when they uh, were the champions. Um, and it was nice to see him when they won the European Cup. I was for that one night in the final. I suppose I was a cheering the Villa on, but um, it was nice really for them to see them, but um, to, to win something. Um, you know, see them all happy. But um, yeah, to be fair to them, they had a great team. And like I say, for them really, I think the Stoke game wasn't the highlight of the calendar. It was them playing in the European Cup as it was then. So. Um, but like I say, it was a nice, fair play to them. They had a, they had a great team. Um, and then after that, I think after Saunders left, I think it started to go a little bit wrong for him. I think he, he suffered a little bit, similar to ourselves. It's, it's strange though, isn't it, when you look at like that Villa side that went on, of course, you know, to win titles and European Cups and... You know, you, you kind of they're kind of like the forgotten team, aren't they? Like yeah. with Stoke, we had, we had a better side in the seventies, but somehow didn't yeah. win the trophies that they did. And it's such yeah. a strange yeah. thing, footballers, especially back to like them days in the seventies and especially eighties with like the Forest side as well that did well. You know, yeah. I mean, I think Villa's star player at the time was Peter Wave. I think was the star yeah. player. Um, yeah, he was. It's such a strange, strange thing, isn't it? When you you know you look at that Stoke side and you look at the the Villa one, you think Stoke had better players. How did how did we only win a league? Yeah, Cup? yeah it was it is a strange one, um, really. Because I suppose in some respects you, you did argue. I mean, I suppose people say Villa are the biggest, are the bigger team. They're a bigger city, aren't they? Got a bigger fan base. Um, but yeah, we did. We did have. Um, have a better team on a million percent we did you know we look at Banksy you know um, we had Banksy we, you know the club at that time Banksy obviously finished then we signed Peter Shelton 
you know, two of the best goalkeepers in England, you know, um, and we were signing the Oaks of those kind of players, like, no problem at all. But are we never, I mean, we won, the, we won the League Cup, but we were close to the league, like you say, very, very close to the league, close to the FA Cup. We really, you know, say, how did we not win more? We should have done, particularly with that team. And I don't really know what the answer is, to be honest with you. Um, why we didn't, but I suppose we should have done definitely, and it's a shame that we didn't. Maybe if we'd have won another couple of cups, won the league, you know, history would have been uh, a little bit more kinder to us because once you've won that league and in that category, you're somebody really, aren't you? Um, and we, we just seem to have missed out. So but I don't know what the answer why we never did. It was, you could say, it's bad luck. Um, I don't really know. I suppose you could say we had a lot of bad luck with the roof falling off. Um, losing Banksy and things like that so it wasn't meant to be for us um, one of those things really makes football for you I know it's a funny old game isn't it yeah yeah definitely. yeah um, well I mean yeah, I think you're right about that yeah um, I just wanted to go into because like, the, way, the way I knew about obviously Hopper was um, through the Stoke page there's a Stoke YouTube channel yeah. that was going on about fans I can't remember what it was called is it My Passion My Story My Football I think it was called I mean how yeah. did that come across What? how did that really happen I mean I didn't know about it until the other week and, and then I found out it had been on years ago and I'm just yeah, wondering why it wasn't publicised and stuff but how did it come across yeah, basically it's in one of the Stoke fan pages, um, like called Brendan Dudley runs, it's uh, Stoke City fans from all around the world, he's, he's a cracking lad, Brendan, uh, runs an absolutely fantastic page, there's no silliness, no no stupidness on it, it's a really good page, uh, I recommend everyone have a look at it, to be honest, but he literally got fans from all around the world, uh, and he just put a message on one day, has anybody got any old stories? they want to share you know so I thought yeah I've got loads of them like, I wasn't really sure why or what, what it was about or anything so I'm like yeah mate I've got quite a few what, what do you need and he, so somebody be in contact so it's about a week or so later just a message from somebody at the club uh, you know what have you got you know have you got something that that reminds you of Stokes I'm like well top of my head mate we were, me and the old man we've been going together for a long time we we always used to take a flask and we still take a flask these day, this day so whenever I see uh, you know see a flask I always think it's me and my dad uh, you know going to Stoke together so said that and he's like yeah we'll run with that so um, arranged to go down it was um, Friday uh, Friday morning it was to be honest with you and it was it was the day after between me and you and I've been on the works Christmas party it was December and I was a little bit worse for wear, shall we say. Um, I didn't think, I thought when I woke up, I'm not going to get through today, but managed to get through it. And yeah, it was, it was a good experience, to be honest. Um, did some filming in the executive box with my dad. Um, and we, we just told the stories, we just told the story of how uh, we took a flask with us, how we, um, we've been going, the stories of why, you know, of, of watching them over the years, um, reminiscing, and then obviously told the story of how I associate the flask with with football and my dad still takes right I've got one but I don't always take it these days um, but my dad certainly always takes this flask religiously every game and uh, you can guarantee he sits there with his flask so that's how it all came about but it was a nice experience because my dad was 80 that year um, and it was a nice thing for us to do together for his 80th birthday so yeah it was quite it was a nice thing to do and it's there for 
for however long it'll be on YouTube and, uh, and what have you. So yeah, it was a special moment. It was a nice thing to do, mate, to be honest with you. Yeah, it does. It's always like little stories like that. Like, like me and my dad used to go, he used to take me when I was what, far too young. I mean, the first game I went was 90, I think it was three or maybe two yeah. at the time. I was really young when he started taking yeah. me. He was like, no, come on, he's coming. I was always yeah, yeah. pretty much baby going, watch Stoke. <laughs> I, was, yeah. I do find it, stories like that very, very interesting. I mean, does your dad still go? Does he, is he still, still a big, yeah. big sport? Yeah, he is. He is, mate. He's still got a season ticket, but he's he's getting older now. He's like he's eighty-one, nearly eighty-two, um, and he, he feels it. He's got full of aches and pains. He's struggling walk a little bit, and, and if it's a bit cold, though, it is down the three-six-five. You know, he's like, oh, I'm phoning him. So you're going today, Dad? He's like, I don't fancy today. It's a little bit cold for me. So he's still there. Still got a season ticket, um, and yeah, he's still going, but. Obviously, he picks the games a few more, of uh, more than what he would have done before, just because he, he, his health isn't isn't the same. But yeah, he's still um, he's still the same. And if he doesn't go, he'll phone me. So what's the thing of the game? How did we play? And um, we'll just sit talking for about about the football. So yeah, he's, he's still there, mate. He'll still be going, I think, as much as he can you know, until the day, uh, until the, his last days come. To be honest, mate. Well, you'll have, have to come on. If you want to come on, he can, he's always been welcome to come on and have, it, Mate, and have a natter about Stoke. He can talk more than me, to be honest. He'd never get him off, but yeah, I'll mention it to you. You'll talk about some Warsaw legends like Ian Walker and all that. Yeah, yeah that's it. Uh, but yeah, he'll still be there, mate. He's still, he's still a big Stoke fan. Yeah, that's good. Good to see. I mean, my granddad's the same. He's still a big Stoke fan, but he stopped going in '72 after the offside for the ice cream seller. He says, "says that's it. Oh. The cheating pigs, the cheaters, the cheaters. <laughs> I'm not going again." Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you, you hear that story of the ice cream seller, because we was playing them white, and you just think. It can't be right, you know, but it's a true story. I mean, that just as it seems, that bloke selling ice cream cost us. So I think we'd have beaten them. Yeah, yeah. That year, we'd have won the cup, you know. We really would, and you just, it's Arsenal again, our, our uh, you know, arch enemy, really. Um, they just happened to be them, so it's, it's pretty annoying. I hope that ice cream seller's proud of himself, that's all I can say. Yeah, 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 he's got a lot of answer for, yeah, because I absolutely hate Arsenal. I've got I've got yeah, nice. mate, I, I am the same, yeah, probably more than, than anybody else, to be honest with you. I can't be doing with him. I really can't, but it's strange yeah. isn't it really something like that like you know I've, I've been brought like my dad hates Arsenal because of course it's the 71-72 cup final yeah I mean semi-final obviously and, uh, and then I was like yeah but I, I like Arsenal he got you know Henri Bergkamp because I love Bergkamp I think he was a, an excellent player and and then he says, just wait. And then we got in the Premier League, and he was absolutely right. I hate him. When you hear them, they're just so, you know, they look down the rooms, they're so little old Stoke City with a pub team with this, with that, you know, and the stuff they say. But it means like the will to them if they do beat us, you know, it's like, but they look down the nose. And they absolutely hate it when we beat them. And to be honest, we haven't just beaten them, we've absolutely smashed them, haven't we? Yeah. Quite a few times. And, you know, they don't ever, ever have it. So, uh, well done, they have, to, they have to be. You know, they look down the nose, but little old insignificant Stoke City have, um, have pulled down the mighty Arsenal's pants a few times and smacked the backside, shall we say. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of them at all. Um, I really aren't. I don't, I don't like them in any way, shape, or form. 
Yeah, it's, it's strange how those kind of things happen. It's, it's like yeah, a, yeah. It's like the time when we beat, we were three. What was three nil at half time? And Gary yeah. yeah. scored, yeah. and he said it was a foul, yeah. which was absolutely ridiculous. And I think they came back in the second half. And there was three like, two. Yeah, and there was like the Arsenal fan t- TV. That I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a massive fan of because I think it's, I think it's just a bit of a parody of itself, but. I just, I just love it when they lose. I, I, I can't help but yeah, watch it when I'm they lose. The, I'm the same, mate. It's like, yeah, that game we were, we were hammering them, absolutely hammering, playing some good football as well. You know, uh, nothing physical, playing just playing them off the park. And like I say, that goal was disallowed. That four 0 I said at the time, you know, that would have gone in. That, that would have counted. We'd have, we'd have stuck five past them. That'd have been a five 0 win. Absolutely nailed on, but. Uh, again, that goal was wrongly disallowed, and then they go and get two goals back, so it made it look like a close game, but it wasn't. Um, we absolutely hammered in that day. Uh, you know, I don't think even the most tired Arsenal fan could could say that. But uh, but yeah, you're right, mate. That Arsenal TV, that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It's brilliant, absolutely brilliant, especially when they lose. It's just pure comedy gold. It really is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't stand them. I really can't. Which is strange, really, because when I was young, he used to love him, because, like I say, he's all Dennis Beard, Gamble, love that side. I mean, so we'll go into the questions now. So, I always like putting these questions in. It's like people get people get confused because they think I mean greatest ever match, and it isn't. It's it's what is your favourite ever moment of Stoke? You can put honourable mentions in, but but I'd also like know your main your main favourite yeah. moment like literal second and moment like I'll give you an example mine was um, the Sergio Aguero style last minute equaliser against Cardiff in the playoff semi-final that that, that will go to me to be grave really because the amount yeah. of you know, emotions I felt in one minute because one minute it was sad to think we were going to go through then O'Connor scores this absolute worldie and it's like Wow, <laughs> it's like everything. Yeah. Was, I was dead young at the time, and he, he, I knew we were going to get promoted if we'd not Cardiff out. So that's that's yeah. just what I wanted to find out of yours. Everyone's got a different yeah. moment, see. Yeah, I think uh, obviously recent moments has been we've been lucky, haven't we? Really, there's been there's been that many of them. Um, but you know, the really are going in the Premier League. I mean, that was special. That was probably one of my favourite moments um, because that set the pinnacle of the. Of the FA Cup final of Europe, all through that really beating, well drawing him at last to getting promotion into the promised land of the Premier League. But I think reflecting back, the one that really, really stands out as the first one I can ever, ever really remember is going absolutely crazy. It was I think the year was '84, '85 Boxing Day. Uh, it was the year we went down um, into the to the second division. We were rock bottom of the league. We'd, we'd won one game. Um, and we got Man United Boxing Day. Well, at that time, if you weren't a Stoke fan, um, you were you were Liverpool or you were Man United. You got all the glory hunters walking around with the tops on. You know, we were having a horrendous time. They were like, ah, "We'll beat you, we'll beat you." So Boxing Day, Man United roll into town. They're, they're really high in the league. They're like probably maybe ten points clear. We're rock bottom. Um, won one game up to Boxing Day. Um, and we was losing one nil half time, and, and we come out second half. It's a done deal. This is we, we're just going to get hammered here. Come out second half, equalised, and then near the end we had um, a penalty. Cole Saunders steps up, puts it in the back of the net, and we just turn him over in the second half, and we won two one. And that moment 
was was like the first time I can remember. I was like an adult. I was like sixteen, um, going absolutely bananas as if we'd won the World Cup. You know, in essence, we beat Man United on Boxing Day, got three points, but it was more than that. It was special, and just walking around with the biggest grin. But when we won, the celebrations were like out of this world. I mean, anybody who was at that game can remember it was unbelievable so I think that was my first memory really of of probably say just a normal game where it just meant the world Um, uh, yeah it was brilliant the the celebrations were absolutely fantastic I I think we only won one more after that if I remember right yeah I think it was a bad season once it that one Um, (laughs) if I want to remember I think Alan Hudson right at the end of his career came back didn't he for a second start that year yeah, he did, mate. Yeah, he came back and um, fan zero. And even though he's sort of the end of his career, you know, you think he's coming back just for a payday. But you know, he came back and he was. If I remember right, I think he was still he was winning all he won, a couple of man in the matches or there thereabouts. And he's still an absolute class player. He really was, and he stood out. Gives us that little bit of ray of hope. Um, but you know, like I say the, the team were. We were awful. We had a, an awful time. We got an awful team back then. They weren't. They weren't really good. Uh, but he gave us that little bit of ray of sunshine. He didn't just come back for that last contract and just to get the money in. You know, he, he came back and he gave it his all. And he was. Uh, it was a decent player. I've got an interesting story about him. If you want me to tell you that that time. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so yeah, that time, that season, that particular season, we were going home and away, home and away, and we came back from Norwich. I remember it was Norwich away, because if you've been to Norwich, it's quite a long journey, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, yeah. Horrible journey. But we come back on the bus, and we used to, what me and my friend, we lived at Black Bridge at the time. Um, we used to get a train there, and then when we got back from the away games, somebody used to generally pick us up. So we come back off the bus. We got. Um, we, we used to then have a bit of time to go before we got a lift, and we used to wait for the players to come back, and he used to sign autographs. And we were waiting this one day. Players would come back, and then Alan Hudson come rocking off. He was one of the last ones, and we're like, um, he was like, we, this is Alan Hudson, like you know, he was like a, a god to us. We're like Alan, can we have your autograph? He's like, have you got a pen, lads? And we're like, yeah, we have got a pen. He's, I'll come with me. I've got one in my car, and we went walking around with him to his car. Um, and he said, come, come in, lads, out the car, sat in the passenger seat. He said, where are you going, lads? We're like, Blythe Bridge, do you want a lift? But we'd already arranged a lift, so we are like, no, we can't. And I'm, and I'm just sitting there, just thinking, we're in Alanson's car, with him, talking to us. He'd go, give us all the time in the world. He was going to go out of his way, give us a lift. And this guy was was like, I suppose, back in the day, we suppose you'd sort of say maybe the, the equivalent of like a kind of Beckham figure. Yeah, he was you know, a great he was, player, yeah, yeah. He's one of the best yeah. men in the yeah. Flamboyant and phenomenal and like a big name and, and we're there in his car, he's gonna give us a lift back to Bladbridge. And it's the one day I was cursing having a left having a, a left arranged that we couldn't because you just imagine rocking back up and all your mates were out and there we are getting out of the car with Alan Hudson. So fair play to him, mate. Great guy, gave us all the time in the world and uh I'll never forget that moment as long as I live. It was a special moment. It's a great, great thing. It's how players used to be. How, how like one of us, they were kind of weird. I mean, the only, the yeah. only thing it's regret is that mobile phones weren't invented then, so you could have cancelled your. <laughs> I could have done. Yeah, that, that was it. We, that, we, we used to have to go pay. There was always a payphone near to the old Victoria Ground. We used to 
ring up, you know, ring on the landline and say, right, we're back now. And then, you know, somebody will come and pick you up, your mum, your dad, or my brother, whoever. So, yeah, well, that, <laughs> to this day, I'm thinking, why? Why did we not wait till after they'd gone and then get that, that same, ring them up, say we were ready? So, yeah, great guy. It was, meant a lot, that did small gesture, but meant a lot to two. Two, you know, two lads who are massive Stoke fans. Well, actually, that's a great story, that is. So, but now we'll move on to the opposite end of the scale. So now, yeah. like I say, you can do waste ever moments now, which is again, again similar to the thing you like the the best, which was the moment to you that was like the worst. I mean, you've got a long history of football with being Stoke fans. So, yeah. what what would yeah. you say was the worst moment? You put honourable mentions in as well, but what is your worst moment as a Stoke fan? Um, Worst moment as well, obviously, we've had like, some good ups, but we've had some bad down. Obviously, always losing to your rivals isn't, isn't a good thing. That's, um, that's your darkest end. I think it's easy to pick those out. But um, for me, another, probably another insignificant game, I think it was, was it the first season, well, the season we went down when we moved to the new ground. Um, I'm pretty sure, if memory serves me right, we were playing Tramia at home. We weren't having a great season. Um, but we, we turned, it was a midweek game and I remember turning up thinking this is a winnable game, we need to win this, we need to win this, um, got to win this game and it was a, I, I remember at the time I got the kids were little, I got a massive amount of money, spending my virtually last bit of money for that week on this ticket for this game, thinking yeah we'll win tonight, we'll win tonight, the season will turn around, we go and we lose, it was an awful game I think memory says you know I'm smart 3-0 at, at home we never I don't think we hardly had a kick and it was that moment of walking back to my car um, spending, spent my last bit of money the message weren't very happy on a ticket to see us be awful and the realisation more than the result that we're, we're down we're going to go down this is it it's relegation season you know there's, there's no way we're not even good enough to, to get out of this and I suppose it was that a little bit like a couple of years ago when we Andy Carroll scored that last minute goal against us in the Premier League the season we went down I think I came away with similar feelings from that game of having an elation of yeah we're going to win this we need to win this and then he scores a good goal to be fair and that realisation of going home that night thinking yeah we're down this is it and I accepted relegation that night and that night in that game I accepted uh, relegation so them are the dark days for me that, them are the ones really to be honest with you I think that was the year when Vale stayed up and we went down with City wasn't it that year it was mate yeah which probably made it worse didn't it yeah, um, yeah. you know the, the, the crowing and the, and the bragging after we'd been above them for all those years you know years and years and years and then we end up being below them in the league Um so yeah dark days mate dark times when you this is where you know you, you earn your, your stripes being a football fan they talk about thick and thin and them days there when you know it's impending I think the impending knowing you, you're going to go down is worse sometimes than the, the time when you do go down because you know it's coming and it's just waiting and waiting and waiting and um, you can kind of half accept it when it happens but it's that waiting for it is almost worse, I think, to be honest with you. Yeah. And it's, it's really strange. I think it was the year before or a couple of years before 
we had Mike Sharon and we got to the playoff semi-final to go to the Premier League and, and yeah. then to turn that quick is why I agree with you it's probably a worse moment than when we when we got relegated from the Premier League because I mean the Premier League I think we all saw it slowly coming but yes. that year we, we went from a high of nearly getting to the Premier League to instantly a massive low to be dropping into the third tier nearly a couple of years or a year after it's 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 horrible to take, you know. It must be an horrible feeling when, because I mean, I remember exactly. I think that's when I was first starting to go when I had a season ticket with my dad, and and like I say, Sharon was there, and I, and it, I felt like football was brilliant because you know I was watching Stoke, you know, beat all these teams, and then get to a playoff semi final, and then it completely flip around. It was a it wasn't yeah. a good time at all, was it really? flip it on to players now so I mean it's one it's one that I think is interesting a lot of people put different people in but who was your favourite ever player it doesn't have to be the most skillful or the best it's your, your favourite ever player favourite ever I mean like I say we've seen so many but uh, I've had to nail the colours to the master say recently it's going to be more recent ones I think because of it's been in the Premier League because I think the Premier League now is much more of a challenge than um, than it was in days gone by. Um, you've got to be a really, really good team now to survive in there. So I think more recently, I'd, I'd say Bowian. It would have definitely been Bowian had he not got injured and he carried on the way he was going. I'd be saying Bowian, but um, it's a shame, a real shame about him. But I'd say I'd have to give it fuller, to be honest with you. Um, and, I, and that's a big, big thing to say and the reason I give it fuller is just because he wasn't such a such a brilliant skillful player but he was charismatic the, you know the things he could do the games that he won for us when there was nothing nothing in it you know, he literally is one of these he's like when you were a kid at school you had one amazing player they say give him the ball and he'll he'll go and win you the game you know and he'd go and beat four or five players and he'd score so because of those reasons I'd I would say um, I would say Fuller, uh, and an example of that was remember when we played Birmingham at home. We were um, we, we was winning, and I think then we were two one down. And then he gets the ball, ball goes up to him. He's kind of taking it out towards the, the line for the throw in, and then he's turned, cut in, and then just smashed this ball into the top corner from what thirty odd yards, an absolute worldy goal. Um, so for, for that really because he was so charismatic he was exciting and the goal at West Ham and that I think um, I'll, I'd give it fuller definitely give it Ricardo fuller well I think that's a big a big um, praise to Ricardo fuller because I mean you've been getting the 70s and obviously oh. 80s you had players like Chamberlain didn't you and Dixon and Bowles yeah. Steve Bowles was a good oh, yeah, guy yeah. Stoke and you yeah. know 90s you had like Steen and Sharon and all them things so to give it to Fuller is a, is a big accolade to how good he actually was I mean to be honest I haven't 
I think Ricardo Fuller, because he wasn't so consistent, i.e. scored goals every week, he wasn't like a lethal finisher, but when he scored yeah. a cracking goal, he scored a cracking goal, wasn't it? There's literally no question yeah. about it, was it? He, he, I mean, his goal against Wolves in the Championship season, we got promoted, the goal against yeah. Billy, where he just took teams on on his own, and I agree with you, Like he's up there as one of my favourites. Um, uh, he, he, he liked Amard. I think he's the only good player in his history that slapped the captain on a pitch. I think it's he, yeah, that was uh, controversial. Like saying, and he wasn't consistent. Remember, when we lost to Blackpool at home. You know, we we was playing them off the park. We're losing. You need you need to have a good day that day. And he was taking too many players on, and they were marking him out the game. And he, you know, he had a couple of chances. You could have just squared it. So there's that side of him, and, and like you said, when you consider the Chamberlains of the world, uh, and even Peter Beagre, he was one of me. I used to love watching Peter Beagre and the Hudsons and players like that. You say, well, you know, they were probably more consistent, but it was just something special about Ricardo Fuller that he brought to the table. He was magical, um, and he was he was exciting, and he really, really was exciting. He was frustrating. It was probably at times unprofessional. But my God, when he was on that day, that guy was, he was breathtaking to watch. He really was absolutely breathtaking to watch. And I enjoyed every minute of him being. And, and bearing in mind as well, we didn't pay a lot for him, did we? No, I think it was, I think, I think it was half a million we got him for. Yeah, half a million. And you could say that half a million is one of the reasons why he turned into a hundred of million for the Premier League. So just that side as well to think about. So yeah, for me, and it's a big, like you say, it's a big thing with the players that I've seen, but I would give it to Fuller, definitely give it to Fuller, because of all that, really. Right, so here's the difficult question that everybody seems to struggle with. Um, worst ever player, like I say, put honourable mentions in, but who would you put in? I mean, mine was Brian Smalls, if you remember him, who we got from Villa. <laughs> oh, God, I remember him, yeah. And it is a difficult one, because um, we have, I mean, as much as we're praising these players up, and we're saying we're blessed to have seen such brilliant talent here at our club but we have had some <laughs> some absolute terrible players as well I think all, all clubs have they'll all, they'll all name them but it's a difficult question but one who really 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 sticks out in my mind was a guy and I'm sure Joe Jordan signed him if I remember right he came in about 93-94 season on loan Gordon Marshall the goalkeeper oh that's his second mention that's it, that is yeah. his second mention and Smith Put him in, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, he sticks out <laughs> because I mean, I remember vaguely. He's saying he's, he's a great goalkeeper, pedigree, you know, uh, Rangers, Celtic. He couldn't. He was only being kept out of the Celtic team by was it Paddy Bonner, who was a, a class Irish goalkeeper, who was Celtic's goalkeeper for years. So you think, yeah, it'll be it'll be decent team, well, and it, it. I mean, it's difficult for goalkeepers because generally. Uh, um, an outfield player can make a mistake and does others cover for him it might not lead to a goal but with the defender if he makes a mistake it's on target it's a goal but it seemed to be mistake after mistake after mistake every single week and there were basic error mistakes um, and one game I can't remember the opposition where we were at home we needed the win we're winning 1-0 and it's clearly coming towards the end of the game and one of their players has, has had a shot so a decent shot but nothing the goalkeeper can't handle and he's dived down to his uh, to his left touched it to save it with his left and somehow brought his right hand up 
in the air as he's momentum of diving down and the ball's at his left gone up in the air and he's put it in the back of the goal with his right hand and um, you just think to yourself this guy is just absolute calamity <laughs> uh, I don't think he lasted long but every single game there seemed to be uh, a mistake in him you know so we probably didn't see the best of him but for me I would nail him down as being Probably the worst player I've ever seen at Stoke, to be honest with you. Well, I did a bit of research on him because Anne said somebody else was a, a waste. Um, somebody Clark, I think he was a wing back or something, Scottish as well. Right. And he, yeah. she said. Oh, yeah, him, that's the same team, wasn't it? I think it was, yeah. Yes, yeah. it was, mate. Yeah, yeah, it was terrible. They were yeah. both terrible. Yeah, he was, he was terrible. And, uh, so I did a bit of research. He managed to, he did get an actual cap for Scotland as well, Gordon Marshall. I was like I say, he came with a you know his CV was was half decent if I remember right some of the lower league um, Scottish teams but you know but he got the pedigree Rangers and Celtic and you know Scotland so you can't really I think he signed him Jordan did I think it was Joe Jordan as uh, like a, yeah potentially we've got a good manager he's got the he's got the pedigree but we obviously didn't see the best of him the move wasn't a good one for him he didn't settle but it was mistake after mistake after mistake and, it, and I thought it followed on after Lou McCauley's team didn't it that Joe yeah. Jordan he was the one who placed McCauley wasn't he yeah yeah so yeah. we'd seen uh, all that great work McCauley had done and then we ended up with Joe Jordan and it was it was horrendous really yeah, it's happened twice didn't it I mean after Glue McCauley yeah. left the club literally fell apart both times yeah. it did it did yeah I think back back in the day um, they were they didn't really they just kind of thought there and then they, they, they fixed the problem and they didn't think long term did they really um, I think football was different back then and I think that was the problem they thought long term I think Southampton are a good example of that that they, they've got a manager now set up working out they're already picking who they want as the next one even when they don't need to they like putting things in place um, because it's a difficult job isn't it Gary managers but yeah, after Macari that went twice it was it was like the high wasn't it Macari then the lows then he came back it was the high then the lows so yeah it <laughs> wasn't um, wasn't a good time really right so like I said it was a great interview and we'll uh We'll finish off now, and I just wanted to ask you what do you think of the future of Stoke and in the team of now. What 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 are your feelings on it? Yeah, I, I love O'Neill. Absolutely um, love him. I think he's a great manager. I really think. Um, I mean, I don't know if you went to that to that evening not so long ago, just as coronavirus came in that evening with Skulls, John Coates, and Michael O'Neill. I mean, previous to that, I was a I was really impressed with him but after that evening I think somebody that night hit the nail on the head and he said we've had three fantastic managers at Stoke Macari, Pulis and now you and for me that, that sums it all up the club have made a phenomenal um, appointment with him he, he's going to really do the business with Stoke you can see that the short time that he's come with the, you know, with with the team, the philosophy he's brought in. We we lost that philosophy. Purely spoil that philosophy in. It was a philosophy. We do things a certain way. Everyone knows what they're doing. Um, there's no no doubts. We all know what we're doing. Everyone knows the job. Everyone knows what's expected. If you step out of line, you know you pay the consequences. That was lost under Marcus, uh, and I do believe now 
the club have regained that under Michael O'Neill. So I think the club's in a, in a good possession, a real good possession. We, we were free falling, nailed on to go down into the lower leagues. We really were. You could just see it was just sliding and sliding and sliding. And he steadied the ship now, and we were doing we were doing so well. We had a period up to in and around Christmas. Okay, we had a little blip, but then it's starting to pick back up again. So I think the club. I'm I'm really really confident in the future of the club. Um, I think the future of the academy is going to be better than what it has it has been. I think there's going to be adjustments made there. Um, the club reassures that they've made they're learning from the mistakes they've made of the the signings, and I, I do believe them. So I think yeah, the club as we speak now is in a is in a really strong position to stabilise, and then let's do it progressively. I know everyone wants to get back in the Premier League straight away, but we need to do it progressively, sensibly. And, and I believe all the, those foundations are in place. So I'm, I'm very, very optimistic. Very, very optimistic. We've got the right people in uh, doing the right job. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite excited about the future. To be honest with you. Well, we've heard it here first. We're getting promoted next season, then, eh? Well, I don't know about that. I think um, I, I, you, you would say on current form and the way we've been. If you can bring these players in. And we can have because um, I, I think the season might be scrapped. To be honest with you, it's looking likely um, that he brings his players in. He, he does the, the foundation work what he wants for them because he hasn't had that. He's just come in really, and his job has been to study the ship. Brings his people in. I don't think you know. I think conform. We could say yeah, we're definitely banging on the door if not playoffs. You know, and that's that's not unrealistic. It's a big thing to say. But absolutely is unrealistic with Michael O'Neill and, and what he brings to the table. But ideally, we, I think, if not next season, the season after, I think we'll be definitely there or thereabouts without any shadow of doubt. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think he's been a breath of fresh air, Michael O'Neill. I couldn't believe it when we got him in the first place, especially the position yeah. we were in as a club. And I yeah. think uh, this has been a fantastic interview, and I have to say thank Thanks, you. Thanks, yeah, well, thank you for you know it's a pleasure. I really enjoy it. I mean, but we're sitting here down memory lane, you know. Yeah, but I have to I have to be honest. We this is the second interview we've done because yeah. there was a bit of a clangor on the first one where my PC <laughs> decided to just say no. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, well, I mean, modern technology as good as it is, it does seem to go wrong, doesn't it? <laughs> so I'll say thanks for doing that. Thanks for coming on again because you didn't have to. It's and it's uh, a pleasure to interview you. Yeah, you're welcome. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for the opportunity, mate, and all the best. All right, we'll hear from you again in the future, but I'll have to let you go yeah. now because we're, we're all stuck in the house and <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll let you get, get on with what you need to oh, do. Right. Thanks a lot, mate. All the best. Thank you. Ta-ra. Cheers, mate.